guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about yeah. you? <laughs> Good. We both started off this week with some kind of a something at the same time. Didn't see each other. Could not have given it to each other. Yeah, so that was a fun, fun way to start our week. But we're both doing better, right? Right? You're better? I mean, yeah, mostly. Right? It's still like the dull, <laughs> like, I don't feel that great, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm working been, on it. Yeah, I've been feeling a little down, you know, not emotionally. Well, that <laughs> wow, <too. laughs> this took a whole turn. It's took a turn I was not prepared for. No, we're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> it's a mantra. You just keep saying it until you believe it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> So this week, we're going to be talking about the senseless murder of a young United States Marine and his new wife. The story takes place in Riverside, California, and Melissa has taken the liberty of Googling this lovely city for us. I have. (laughs) So Riverside is actually both a city and a county in California and has a population of around 303,000 people. Riverside actually has a really booming art scene, which was inspired by Charles Dickens. It's actually home to 15 museums, all of which are really pristinely maintained. And in addition, the city hosts regular events and festivals. It looks like it's one of those places where something is going on all the time. And I wouldn't understand what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) Like a very artsy fartsy thing, but it's, it's very cool. I just always look like a total dummy at that kind of stuff. The city is actually home to the world's largest paper cup, which is actually made out of concrete. It's a concrete Dixie cup. It's located on Iowa Street, and the Dixie cup stands more than three stories in height and is a huge attraction with visitors to the city. That's a little intimidating, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> of all things to make supersize, I I haven't quite, I didn't quite understand why that had happened, but people seem to enjoy it. Good for you, Riverside. The city is actually considered to be the birthplace of the California citrus industry. The first naval orange that was grown in the U.S. was in Riverside. Basically, Florida, we have nothing. I thought we were the orange people. and We're not? Well, I mean, we're the orange people, I guess, but but I think they were the first. And then we, like everything else, we just copied somebody else's state and pretend that it's ours. But I'm going to pretend that we never learned this fact. Trash that fact. Trash that fact. Florida is where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) The incredibly talented and beautiful singer, Etta James, actually called Riverside home. And I know what you're thinking. At last, Melissa's on her last fact. But no, I have one more. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for letting me have that. So the first showing of Gone with the Wind was actually played at the Riverside Fox Theater in 1939. Fun fact, Clark Gable, who played the leading role of Rhett Butler, only took the role so he could use the money he made to pay for a divorce settlement with his second wife. Oh. One of the these, you know, huge movies in history, and he just did it to, to pay off his second wife. <laughs> so and now we've learned a few things about Riverside, California. And if you don't like it, then I might almost quote Rhett Butler and say, frankly, my darling, I don't give a ma'am. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Yannick Paul Piacek was born in Poland on March 13th, 1984, and his family immigrated to Brooklyn, New York when he was 10 years old. They settled in the Little Italy Bensonhurst neighborhood of the New York City borough, which was actually an area that many Italian and Jewish immigrants came to during World War II. Jan was 17 years old when the World Trade Center attacks happened on September 11, 2001. These attacks inspired Jan to make a difference, and he joined the Marines in 2003 to fight for the country. 
He was based at Camp Pendleton and worked as a helicopter airframe mechanic. Before a deployment to Iraq in 2005, he attended a party for all those servicemen and women that were about to ship out. And it was there at this party that Yannick met his future wife, Kiana Jenkins. She was a very accomplished, beautiful woman who was working on her master's degree in public health from Cal State San Bernardino, and she worked as a public health educator teaching classes and counseling new mothers at the Riverside County Public Health's Black Infant Care Center, where their goal was to improve African-American infant and maternal health, as well as decrease black-white health inequities and social inequities for women and infants. After she completed her master's degree, her hopes were to go on to medical school to become an anesthesiologist, and she had actually already even been accepted into medical school. Kiana was actually very resistant to the idea of getting involved with a Marine. With her aspirations of medical school and a residency following that, it would be very difficult to coordinate that with a military lifestyle where she would have to move around every two to four years. Jan was thrilled when he returned to Camp Pendleton from his time in Iraq to find that Kiana was still around and still single. They ran into each other again at a welcome home party in 2006. Despite her reservations, Jan was a hopeless romantic and he managed to really woo her. The two fell deeply in love and their friends and family were ecstatic for the young couple. One year after their first date, Jan asked Kiana's parents for their blessing to marry her and he proposed at a park on May 19, 2007. Kiana's family loved Jan, and Jan's mother, Henrika, regarded Kiana as her own daughter. These families seemed incredibly close. Just, you know, you have these, like, in-law situations where some people hate each other, and then you have some where they tolerate, and they just seemed to all really love everyone in the family. <laughs> it seems like a big... They really did. Yeah, like, they really did mold together as a family. On August 8th, 2008, Jan and Kiana tied the knot. True to her style, Kiana was sporting her favorite white Converse sneakers under her elegant wedding dress. Kiana actually chose the date of 8808 so that Jan would always remember their anniversary. The newlyweds settled in a big five-bedroom house in an area known as Winchester, and this was near Temecula, California. The couple decided on this area because it was kind of a midway point between Kiana's job and school and where Jan worked at the Marine Corps Air Station in Miramar. Each of them had about an hour commute each day. So that's that's a tough commute as it is, but... It really is. That's such a long... I can't... I mean, I guess my husband kind of has about an hour commute each day, but it is a long way. My old commute was like that. It was like an hour. And my husband's, when before we moved, it was like an hour and 15 minutes. And that is torture for your wife who is home with children. Yes, <laughs> you know how it is. just waiting for you to get home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, you're off, but you're not really off. So yeah, that is a, a rough commute, but it was great. They were able to find something right in the middle for them. So there are a lot of articles that talk about Jan being stationed at Camp Pendleton, but working at Miramar. And Mary Jane helped us out with this story and kind of explained it to us. And I am going to try to explain it to you, which is really unfortunate for you. And so the idea is that you really normally work at the base that you're stationed at. However, during this time of deployment, all the different helicopter squadrons at the surrounding bases are combined into what's called a squadron reinforced. Do you follow me? Okay, great. <laughs> so <laughs> they typically divide up this large squadron into three. One goes to Okinawa, one goes with the aircraft carrier to the deployment, and one squad stays back as rear detachment. Each helicopter squadron has their own mechanics that go with them. 
Jan likely had orders as what is known as an individual augmentee and was attached to the squad on rear detachment that was temporarily based at Miramar. So yes, he's stationed at Camp Pendleton, but he's working at Miramar. That's kind of the confusion. So some some articles said that he worked at Miramar. Some said that he worked at Camp Pendleton or he was stationed there rather. And so that's kind of, if you were to read any of this on your own or if we kind of talk in a circle a little bit, that's where the confusion is. So he's at Camp Pendleton, but a lot of times working at Miramar. There we go. Clear as mud. Yes, I got it. (laughs) Kiana and Jan had plans to fill this big new home with lots of children one day, and both of their mothers were absolutely just giddy at the thought of having grandchildren. As we said a little bit ago, these were two extremely close families. They were So excited for Jan and Kiana being, you know, this young, successful couple. They both really had bright futures ahead of them. And they would just kind of daydream a little about having, you know, these these beautiful grandchildren to to love on. But the couple wasn't quite ready to take the leap into parenthood just yet. So Jan bought Kiana a little Maltese puppy that they named Rambo. The couple spent their first two months as husband and wife the same way that most newlyweds do. They were really young and in love and constantly doting on each other. In October of 2008, Kiana was excited about getting back their wedding photos, which she had been waiting for so that she could stuff a little photo into each of the thank you cards that she had been working on writing out to her wedding guests. That's exactly what Kiana was doing on the evening of October 15th, 2008, when there was an unexpected knock at their front door. Jan opened the front door only to be rushed by four men with a shotgun who forced their way inside. The men struggled with the couple for a bit, but eventually bound them with duct tape and gagged them both. The men then sexually assaulted Kiana and brutally attacked Jan before murdering them both with a single gunshot wound to the head. Their murderers ransacked the home, taking any valuables they could find, including Kiana's wedding ring. The men set small fires in the home in what appeared to be an attempt to destroy the evidence and to cover up their crime. Jan and Kiana had only been married for 68 days, and they were just 24 and 26 years old. When neither of them showed up to work the following day, Jan's supervisors at Camp Pendleton called for police to go and do a welfare check on the couple. And we are going to get into more details of this story after a quick break for a word from this week's sponsors. If you asked me the three things I would take out of my house in a fire, I'd tell you my husband, kids, and this one piece of sheet music in my grandmother's handwriting that I found actually after she passed with my name on it. We moved last year and the frame I had it in was broken and because I'm sort of lazy and I wasn't sure exactly how I wanted to frame it, it's just been sitting in the top of my closet gathering dust. Thanks to FrameBridge, my special heirloom is on its way to being beautifully framed. If you're new to using FrameBridge, you have a few options. You can either go to framebridge.com and upload your photo or have Framebridge send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Framebridge doesn't just frame your photos and certificates. You can frame just about anything from baby shoes to wedding favors, your diploma or a special jersey, or even your vacation photos on Instagram. I uploaded the photo of my sheet music and from there I was able to preview it in tons of frames so there's no guessing with what it would look like. And if you aren't sure exactly what frame you want, Framebridge's talented designers can help you make a decision. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item, plus your framed item is delivered directly to your door, ready to hang. Get started today. Frame your photos or send the perfect gift for weddings, birthdays, and special events. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code MOMS. 
You'll save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com and use promo code MOMS. What if there was one program you could use for all your health and weight loss needs? You'd probably want to include things like calorie trackers and meal plans. What if it also included a goal specialist and a community of members to help you keep motivated and accountable? That sounds like the weight loss app Mecca, right? Noom can offer all of that to you right at your fingertips. One of my favorite things about Noom is that I have a goal specialist and the Noom community there whenever I need them. Sometimes it just helps to be able to talk to other people who are going through the same things as you on this weight loss journey. I also love that Noom has one of the biggest and most accurate food databases available and that it lets me track meal habits, visualize portion sizes, and see calorie density at a glance. I'm really working on eating better so I can feel better. I have a tendency to eat like garbage, but it's a cycle I really want to break. Because the Noom app is so easy and convenient to use, it's easier for me to make better choices so I can be my healthiest for myself and my family. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash moms. Visit Noom.com slash moms to start your trial today. That's Noom.com slash moms, the last weight loss program you'll need. And now back to the episode. When police arrived at the Piacek home, they found the front door wide open and walked into a grisly scene. Jan and Kiana's bodies were found in the living room, bound, gagged, and shot. The assailants had actually stomped on Jan so hard that there were clear, detailed shoe prints on his body. The shoe tread would later be identified as a men's Nike Air Force One. In an effort to set the home on fire, as Mandy was saying before, the attackers had actually poured gasoline and alcohol around the home and police identified three distinct footprints on one area of the floor where alcohol had been spilled. This was a major clue because each of the prints was from a different shoe, so police knew that there were at least three people responsible for the murders. Kiana's wedding ring, debit card, and other jewelry was missing, along with Yannick's formal dress blues uniform. But strangely, police noticed that Jan's sea bag, full of other military gear, was left untouched. Police also found racial slurs spray-painted all over the house. Investigators wondered if the motive for this was a robbery, or would it be racially motivated because this was an interracial couple? What the police didn't find were any shell casings from the gun that shot the couple, so the murderer must have gathered them up after the attack and taken them with him. Riverside County investigators were the lead on this murder case because the crime happened in their jurisdiction. But the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, or NCIS, would assist in the case where they were needed. NCIS agents thought it was suspicious that Jan's dress blues were stolen, but his sea bag full of military gear was left behind, and they speculated that the only person who wouldn't steal military gear is someone that already had it. Knowing that Kiana's debit card had been stolen, police pulled the footage from the last ATM it was used at. Whoever had used the ATM card had known the PIN number and withdrew several hundred dollars from an ATM that was just outside of Camp Pendleton. So at this point, really all of the, there's a lot of things that are pointing to the fact that other Marines could be responsible for these murders, which I can't even imagine for the NCIS or, you know, for the regular police that were investigating it, how it's just, I feel like so shocking whenever you think of something like that, because you think of Marines being there for each other and kind of being a family and brothers to even think that this could have been, you know, this type of crime could have been committed by military servicemen is just It's just shocking and really, really sad. 
in the surveillance image that they got from the ATM, you can see a black male with a blue bandana covering his face, and he had gloves that had the word mechanics on them, which is, I guess, a brand that mechanics use. So they were thinking with this brand of gloves, could this have been done by a fellow Marine helicopter mechanic? At this point, it was time for NCIS to really start looking into possible suspects, and the best place for them to start was with Jan's own squadron. They started to question the squadron, who mostly seemed to be in complete shock and just absolutely horrified about what had happened to their sergeant and his wife. Investigators had learned that Jan had just gotten his reenlistment bonus of $30,000, So Jan was actually a very proud Marine, and he did a lot of bragging around at work, and he would talk about his house and his beautiful, brilliant wife, and he also bragged a little bit about this bonus money that he was getting. He was very open when it came to sharing things about his personal life, and this is something that people who knew him said, like, he would tell anyone absolutely anything, and I feel like I'm a little bit like that. Like, I really have no secrets. I will tell anyone pretty much anything for the most part. I think you know that about me, Melissa. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know I don't know how to just stop talking and keep things to myself, so I totally understand, and it's not always trying to just be, like, bragging or whatever, but sometimes you just want to tell people about all these things in your life. Well, and sometimes you'll just get you, me, whoever will just start something. And then you realize, well, I'm telling it now. I I don't know how I got on this track, but here we are. And now I have to finish what I just started. Right. So Jan seemed like a really great guy. He just seemed very like me, like very talkative and like an oversharer maybe a little bit. But people who knew him and worked with him said that he did like to go around and talk about the good things in his life quite a bit. Not long after the squadron had been questioned, one of the Marines who was friends with Jan came forward and told the police that another member of their squadron, Lance Corporal Tyrone Miller, had expressed that he felt bad that Kiana had died, but said that he did not care that Sergeant Piacek had been killed and even said that he hated the guy. Jan was a tough sergeant and he demanded that his squadron do the very best they could and he, you know, would call them out on it if he didn't feel that their work good enough. So he kind of had this reputation as being a little bit of a tough guy. He came down kind of hard on the guys that were under him. But considering that these were mechanics that they were working with, and of course they're working on attack helicopters, you can understand why he would have such a tough stance on his unit's performance. As we said, this is very serious work. You know, if there's any problems mechanically with a helicopter, then there could be some very devastating consequences. So Jan took his leadership position very seriously, and that rubbed some of the younger Marines the wrong way. NCIS investigators looked seriously at Miller as a possible suspect. As they were digging into his past, they learned that he had possible gang ties and had allegedly been shot just days after the murder in an alleged drive-by shooting that was not far from Jan's home. So in this incident, he was not seriously injured. He was shot in the leg. and But this was just a few days after Jan and Kiana's murders. So based on that fact alone, just knowing that he had been shot, the police suspected that he must be involved in some kind of criminal activity, whether it had anything to do with these murders or anything else. But this was their in and their reason to bring him in for questioning. When police were asking Miller about his whereabouts, he really had no alibi. He said he was just home with his family. He actually had a wife and two kids that he lived with in the housing on Camp Pendleton. It was when the investigators decided to play a big bluff to see if he was lying that Miller started to crack. 
The investigators actually asked Miller if he knew how these cell phone records worked, and they basically said, hey, we can track you from these cell phone records. And at that point, Miller's story started to change. He started to explain that sometimes he would actually drive through Jan's neighborhood on his way to go drinking. So he may have been in the area the night of the murders. Keep in mind, Jan lived an hour away from Camp Pendleton. So this is not a hop, skip, and a jump away. Like you You are- You wouldn't just be there. Right, yeah. There's definitely places closer by that you don't need to drive through Jan's neighborhood to go, you know, to go find a place to drink. Investigators then asked Miller, you know, about what kind of clothes he wore whenever he was going out. And he said he would typically wear hoodies and bandanas and his Nike Air Force One sneakers. In one interview, Miller had admitted to wearing a blue bandana and Air Force Ones, two things that were directly tied to this investigation. The police let Miller go after this questioning, but not for long. Investigators determined that they had enough probable cause to get a search warrant for Miller's home. When they showed up with the warrant, Miller refused to open the door, so the police had to result in using the battering ram to break down the front door. And this is where this guy's true character comes out. As the police are coming through the door, he picks up his two-year-old daughter, holds her in front of him, and uses her as a tiny shield, knowing the officers aren't going to do anything to him with him holding his baby girl like that. Just, ugh. He was attempting to get back into the back bedroom, which what is he even going to do at this point? You're surrounded. And he decided to put his daughter down and then was taken into custody with really no issues after that. When police asked Miller what he knew about the murders, he stated that he knew only what he had been told by military officials and what he could find on Google. During the search of Miller's home, investigators hit the evidence jackpot, though. They found Kiana's ATM card that was sitting out in the open on the kitchen table They saw her missing jewelry. Jan's dress blue uniform was actually hanging in Miller's own closet. A bag of shell casings were also in the closet and a black backpack containing several blue bandanas. They also found the mechanics gloves that perfectly matched the ones in the ATM surveillance pictures. Those pictures are pretty intense, but seeing those gloves, there's just no way to explain those gloves away. They're so loudly written mechanics all over them. You know what I mean? It's not like a Nike check. It's like mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. And that's something that they use. So it's just such a calling card to why even cover your face at that point? They're going to come look for you or someone in your squadron, you know? Right. These actually weren't the only things police found. They also found a bag with more ID cards and jewelry that were not even connected to this case. So you can imagine that police were feeling pretty confident when they were going into the official interrogation with Tyrone Miller. He actually waived his right to counsel, and he still denied his involvement in the murder, even when he was presented with all of this evidence against him. When the police asked Miller about Kiana's ATM card and told him that they had the surveillance video that they believe showed him, he finally admitted that he was there, but he tried to minimize his role in the crime. That's when Miller implicated three other Marines that he said were also in on the attack. Private Kevin Knox, who was another Marine under Jan's command, Lance Corporal Emery's John, and Lance Corporal Kayshawn Sykes. Apparently, Miller and these three other Marines would go out at night and commit highly strategic and planned out home invasion robberies. 
Miller stated that they didn't go to Jan and Kiana's house to commit a robbery, that they actually did go there to confront the sergeant and that it just went really badly. Miller was up for a promotion in the coming days, and he thought that Jan was trying to block this promotion. Through interviewing all four Marines, all with slightly differing stories, the police were able to get a better idea of the actual events of the murder. They believe that Miller was definitely the mastermind of the whole operation. Kevin Cox, who did not disguise his face with a bandana, was the one to knock on Jan and Kiana's door. They figured that Jan would open the door for him without question because, of course, he knows who he is and wouldn't have any reason not to. Police later learned that Jan was actually nervous when he realized that this particular man was at his door, and he armed himself with a kitchen knife before he even opened it. That says so much right there that he knew them. him coming to his house was not a good thing. This wasn't a friendly conversation. If you if you know somebody and you're going to open the door and you still have a knife with you, like I'm not yeah. going to do that if my mother-in-law comes to the house, but if someone I don't trust is there, sure. Right. And you know, you know that these guys like may not like you or have some kind yeah. of, you know, they have something, some vendetta against you. They don't like the way that you, you know, run things. And I, yeah, it, it does say a lot that he was actually scared. You know, he was scared just to even answer the door. Right. The other men waited until Cox was invited inside and they rushed Jan with Miller shoving the rifle in his face. They hogtied Jan, and they were angry when they didn't find the money, which was the $30,000 that, you know, Jan had supposedly been at work bragging about. These four men tortured the couple until Kiana gave up her debit card pin. And that's when the police concluded that Miller and Emery's John used cushions from the couch as silencers and shot the couple. So these were four men that were Marines by day and criminals by night. Like, this guy is telling the police, you know, this isn't the only terrible thing that we've done. We have a whole thing going on where we go out at night and commit crimes. It's just really shocking. Like I said, you know, a little bit ago, just learning that this kind of went on in the Marines, that there's was four Marines that were just doing you know, doing this kind of thing. But to me, their story doesn't even make sense, really. If you're not going there to rob them and you're going there to confront them and you have these weapons and you have these bandanas, you were going to do something. If he sees your face, he's going to be able to turn you in, right? So this was never going to end well. It was just never going to. They they would have seen Kevin Cox's face. He would have seen that and been able to tell the police, this person roughed me up. They yeah. knew what was happening. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's a, a few more details about that, actually, but we will talk about them after one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. On my never-ending quest to never leave my home, I can now take bra shopping off my list of reasons I am forced to go out, thanks to Third Love. Not only does Third Love allow you to order your perfect bra from the comfort of your own home, they also offer more than 70 sizes, which is more than any other brand, including their signature half cup sizes. So you know they have something that works for everyone. Third Love bras are lightweight and have super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape and are proprietary to Third Love. Plus, Third Love uses data points that are generated by millions of women who have taken the Fit Finder quiz. In fact, over 12 million women have taken it to date. Mandy and I have both taken the quiz and it's actually super fun and takes less than a minute to complete. 
I can't even get my kids to answer me in less than a minute. But thanks to the quiz, I found out I was actually wearing the wrong size bra for several years and ordered a third love bra in my size. And then I ordered a second one because I love my third love bra that much. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash murder now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash murder for 15% off today. Life comes at you fast, but when you're looking for counseling, minutes can feel like hours and hours can feel like days. You want help quickly, but how will you fit it into your schedule? Our problems rarely arise during normal work hours, so why is counseling mainly available during normal business hours? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or maybe something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp has you covered, and at times that are convenient for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist without ever having to leave the house. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. If you ever want to change counselors, you can do so at any time with no additional charge. Financial aid is also available to those who qualify. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option, and Moms and Murder listeners get 10% off your first month. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love within 24 hours. Go to betterhelp.com slash moms and use discount code moms for 10% off your first month. Again, for 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash moms and use discount code moms. And now back to the episode. So police are trying to piece together exactly what happened that night at Jan and Kiana's house. And that's when they're looking back at all the information they have and they're realizing this drive-by that Miller had supposedly been shot in shortly after the murders never actually happened. What really happened was that they were all going to commit another robbery like they were doing night after night. And this was just a few days following the murders and one of them dropped a gun in the car. It went off and shot Miller in the rear end. At this point, they feel they have enough evidence against these guys that all four men are formally charged with first-degree murder. Tyrone Miller and Emerus John received additional charges for sexual assault and the shooting, respectively. They divided up the trials in two parts. Miller, John, and Cox would be tried first, and then Sykes would be tried the following year. The trial lasted four months, and Kiana's mother, Faye Jenkins, sat in the courtroom every single day. She wanted them to see her face. She looked so much like Kiana, and from the pictures and stuff I saw, they really did resemble each other quite a bit. So she wanted them to have to look at her and think of Kiana while this trial was going on. The jury deliberated for three days before they returned guilty verdicts on all three defendants. In court, Miller admitted that he had some conflicts with Jan and that they really didn't get along. Evidence of premeditation was also provided in court when a MySpace post made by Emerus John was shown. It was a photo posted on October 15th with the caption, Chillin' Waiting for the Killin'. Tyrone Miller and Emerus John both received the death penalty. Kevin Cox received life without parole. Keyshawn Sykes was tried a year later, and he was also found guilty after just two hours of deliberation. Wow. He admitted to cutting off Kiana's clothes and participating in her sexual assault. He also received the death penalty. The police initially believed that this crime was committed over greed and for financial gain, that they really were just out to rob their sergeant and 
that things, you know, took a turn. But others believe that this was a racially motivated crime and that there are reasons for carrying out this crime ran maybe a little bit deeper than money. I know that Jan and Kiana's parents and their moms, you know, they just said, like, it's so hard for them to accept that their children were killed over something like money, you know, like it's so, right. which I just, I can't even imagine, you know, and to think like oh, for $30,000, you know, that's not, a, there's no amount of money that's good enough to kill for, of course, but I know it sounds like a lot of money, but $30,000 is not even that much money. Divided by four people. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't not, matter what the amount is, but you're not looking, they're doing all these robberies. So what's the point? They're already stealing money. Why do they have to do this? Yeah. So very, very, very sad. So Faye and Henrika, who are Jan and Kiana's moms, they are still very close. And whenever Henrika makes the trip to California, the two moms go to the cemetery together to visit their kids who are buried side by side. And when Henrika can't make the trip, Faye actually puts her on speakerphone at the cemetery so that they can kind of all be there together. So I thought it was really sweet that the moms still keep in touch and they still kind of keep their memories of their kids alive, like through each other. So I thought that was really cool and really sweet. And I'm glad they have each other and that they are still close. Yeah, absolutely. All like anytime we talk about any stories, they kind of hit you in a different place in your heart to me. So this one, especially like being a mom and your kids growing up and stuff. And this is like something you look forward to them finding the love of their life and, you know, being married and getting ready to start a family. And so this story with the moms just killed me because you knew, you know, they felt like their kids, they've grown up and now let's see this new life they have. And it was taken away from them. So that even gives me chills saying. It, uh, it is. And it, it really was so, I was, it was so heartbreaking listening to Jan's mom talk yeah. and saying, you know, my son, you know, has been deployed. And of course I always worried about him, you know, when he was away overseas, if he was going to come home or not, but you don't expect that he's going to come home and be gunned down in his own, in his own house, you know, with his wife while they're just at home, innocently filling out thank you cards from their wedding. And it just, it's so tragic. And all of these stories are that we talk about, but like you said, I feel like sometimes certain cases just hit you a little harder or in a different place. And, and yeah. This one was just really, really sad and upsetting to me also. Absolutely. So we are going to switch gears a little bit. We talked last week about the live show that we're doing with our friends, Jen and Lindsay with Corpus Delicti. And that is just as a reminder on Sunday, September 22nd, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time at the Wild Rose Cafe in Hoover, Alabama. I will have the information in the show notes, a direct link to buy it. Tickets are selling. I don't think they're sold out, but they're selling. So please come get a ticket before they are sold out and then you'll just be so sad. It'll be a whole thing and I'll feel really bad for you, but I can't do anything. I don't have any comp tickets. Right. They don't give me anything. <laughs> so um, we had started the last thing before we go email last week and we started the hero segment and we've gotten really, really great emails in there. I'm loving reading them and we're excited. We'll, we'll announce the winner at the beginning of next month and people have also sent in some ideas. So we have some new fresh ideas. We decided this week, since the story is really kind of a tough one, that we wanted to keep it light at the end of the show. So we are just going to go through different things every week. It's going to basically be if, if the mood strikes us, how the mood strikes us. We're going to have some options. 
this just opens up the world for us. Just, but there will always be a last thing. Yes, there. You <laughs> just aren't always going to know what the thing is. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the thing is, except the hero thing. We'll do that the first of the month, but otherwise, it's just whatever strikes our fancy that week. So, we got an email from Lisa R, and she said she asked if we could do one thing we love, one thing we hate, and one thing we ate, which seems very appropriate for us. Yeah. So, Mandy, do you have something this week that you really love? I mean, the usual things that I love, you know, animals and food, burritos. Burritos? Oh, <laughs> Everything I love is like food related <laughs> or an animal. So. <laughs> I mean, my family too. They're okay. <laughs> Make, I feel like you should leave with that, but that's okay if that's not where you landed today. That's fine. <laughs> Do you have any new podcasts or anything? People are always asking us what podcasts we're listening to. Do you have any that you're listening to? So I know we've mentioned Josh Hallmark and all of his wonderful work on our show before, but he does true crime BS. If you listen to that, he it's a serialized podcast about Israel Keys, and it's super well done, just like the rest of them. But season two just started. So that's really what I've been listening to. And then just the usuals, you know, we always, we have our friends, but I don't like to start listing them because like you say, we'll forget someone and then we'll feel really, really bad. But Season two of True Crime BS is happening, so go check that out. It's really good, yeah. So something I love this week, family, blah, blah, blah. We we know that. You guys know that about us. I love that the summer is still here, and we're still enjoying the, like, swimming and doing all of that stuff. I'm still enjoying you that. Are? I am. Okay, so here's... I'm so tired of it. I'm ready for it to be fall and spooky weather. Here's what happened. <laughs> I somehow read something that was like... So my daughter's 10. So it was like, you have seven, eight more summers with her. And so like, I'm going through a whole like cats in the cradle situation and like really emotional about it. And so I'm just trying to soak up the last little bit. So I'm trying, I'm trying to love it. I do love it, but it's a lot. And the podcast I really love right now, I can't remember if I've said this on the show, but somebody in our Facebook group mentioned it. It's called Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet. It is oh, yeah. the funniest thing in the world. It is once or it's like Yelp reviews that are read dramatically. So you'll hear these people complain about the craziest things, but it's set to very dramatic music whenever they explain it. It's a brother and sister that do it. And it's absolutely makes me the happiest. Like it's just the most fun I have listening to anything. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Mandy, what is one thing you hate this week? I hate using that word, but I just use it twice. I know. I don't really hate a lot of things, but actually I am struggling a little bit because I, uh, oh my gosh. Okay. My kids have been using my computer to play games and I've been a nice mother and have let them do that. But I mean, not any longer because of what happened recently. Kids don't try to purposely destroy things or ruin them. But anyone who has kids will tell you, even with the best intentions, it's things a mess. happen still. It always is a mess. So something has happened to my laptop and I have to have it plugged in. Now it won't charge on its own. It's like it doesn't have a connection. Like it tells me that the computer doesn't even recognize it has a battery. So I have to keep my computer plugged in. And then as soon as I unplug it, if I need to move it around the house, like it shuts down. So before I do that, I have to make sure I save all my stuff and then close everything down and make sure I like shut the computer down properly oh, that's stressful. before I can even just move it to another room. And then I have to get everything fired back up again. And that's what I hate this week because it really is a pain. And 
it's expensive to fix these types of problems. It is. So, so I'm just, I'm having a rough time. But I still have a computer that works. And so I'm looking on the bright side. And I'm happy about that. That's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> the thing I hate this week is, okay, this kind of goes with the kid thing. You've inspired me. My kids will not stop arguing. And I know this is just like, Melissa, get in line. Everybody's kids do this. But why do they have to do it so much? And why is it always when I'm trying to do something? Me and Mandy were going back and forth about this this week. They just have like, I love this summer. And but the thing is, we homeschool. So like when they go back to school, it just means more work for us in a way. So right. (laughs) Like I want them to get back in school and get back into that routine. But it's also going to be terrible for me. So really, I think I just, maybe I just hate a lot of things. I hate a lot of things. I actually probably hate most things. Yeah. I hate musicals. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can quote me on that. I will not. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but it's terrible. Okay. Mandy, what's something you ate? What's your favorite thing you ate this week? This whole week? <laughs> I, I've been eating a lot of salad this week. I am oh, back on gosh. a diet kick. So this should last about another, I don't know, three or four days and then I'll be back. <laughs> eating like normal but this week I have not had very good eating things but I did pick up these um I went to Publix recently and they always have different little like I don't know what you call them just like specialty items yeah but I picked up these things and these two containers one of them was glazed pecans and the other one was chocolate covered pecans and they are so delicious you have to go run out and get them Mm. the glazed pecans didn't last more than like two days and it was like a pretty decent sized container but everybody here loved them and I'm still working on the chocolate ones. I've, I've hidden them now, so no one else can From yourself or just from everyone else? <laughs> from everyone else. <laughs> I'm going to hide in my closet and eat them in just a few minutes. <laughs> That's a good idea. So I have like somehow been on a little bit of a health kick. I just wasn't feeling that great. And so I haven't had bread in two weeks. Nice. Well, I mean- terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like you should ask if I'm under like duress because this is just really a call, a cry for help. And I do actually feel better, which I hate even admitting. But I did do like a cheat meal, which made me feel terrible. And I had fried shrimp and French fries, which is one of my favorite things Yummy. in the entire world. But then I felt terrible after eating it. Not like terrible, guilty or anything like that. Just like my body felt like you are too old to keep trying to do this going back and <laughs> forth and we are going to shut down on you. So maybe I'll eat bread this week. Maybe I won't. It's the worst, most boring thing I've ever said in my entire life. But I'll never stop <laughs> drinking Diet Coke. I don't care. You can send me your articles about all the things it does, and it can clean a toilet and imagine what it's doing to your body. It makes me happy, and it's one of the only things I have. So just let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so pathetic. So again, thank you, Mary Jane, for help your help with this this week. And next week, we'll be back. Same place, same time, same different story same same us so sorry for that part have a great week guys bye thanks so much for listening to the moms and murder podcast make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode you can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime thanks so much